Welcome to the RegTech Showdown with Louise Tryons. Today is the first episode in our new recruitment startup series, and we welcomed Denise Walker and Matt Gallivan, where we discuss getting your business off the ground and the first 10 steps you should be doing. Right, so really, right, well, good. So this is a new show in the series. This is the recruitment startup series with the first 10 things that you need to do as a recruitment startup in the first year, 18 months. The show's for maybe somebody who is starting out as a recruiter, uh, maybe thinking about doing it. Maybe you work in a recruitment agency now and you want to go to loan. Maybe you've got a sector experience and you're thinking of starting at your own recruitment business. It's for anybody like that. Um, I'm going to try turning... <laughs> try turning the news back on right so matt do you want to introduce yourself first i've got a load of questions i want to ask you but if you want to introduce yourself first while we get denise back on screen yeah so my name is matt gallivan um, and i run a company called perfect path recruitment um i was actually in the uh, supplier side of the industry for a number of years and conversely where everyone seems to make the switch the other way going from recruiter to the supplier industry i went the other way um and yeah so we've been trading for a year and love it genuinely genuinely love it okay brilliant and you're somebody who i've worked with a lot over yeah the years. um so it's very exciting to have you on as a recruiter denise um someone in the sidebar phyllis said maybe try turning down your speakers in case they are passing the sound back through your microphone okay do you want to try me now yeah. When we were in the green room, this all worked perfectly. I wouldn't want people to think we didn't prepare. We did. Right. Yeah. Did you like perfect? Introduce yourself and tell you what you do, and then we'll get to the okay. questions. Okay. So I've been in the recruitment industry for thirty-three years. Um, I currently help um, SMEs grow through learning and development, and I've helped hundreds of startups over the years. Okay. Brilliant. And again, you're someone I've worked with many, many times before. So we're going to share the first 10 things you need to do. Um, I've got the list here. I'll put them on the blog afterwards um, and then um, people can know what the 10 things were one by one. I'm going to come to you first. <coughs> the first thing you said to me was know your pitch. Now, what does that mean? It basically means know what you want to do and how you want to do it. So basically, um, what you're going to offer, how you're going to offer it. Um, it sets the scene for the style, the difference, the brand, the methodology, standards, etc. So it's really important to get that right in the first place because it flows through the whole of your business. Okay. Brilliant. Matt, anything to add to that? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I've been in sales a very long time and actually knowing who you are and what you're pitching and the confidence in that is is key to gaining trust and then confidence from your clients and your and your end users. So, yeah, it, without it, I think you're going to be just uh, lost in a sea of voices. Okay, cool. And I think that how much time would you invest in this, Denise? Is this something that you think about with uh, over the course of a long period of time, or is it? Some, would most people have an idea of exactly what they wanted to do from the start? I think a lot of people that start up know they're really good anyway. They understand. It might be that they haven't articulated it well. And it's it's so it can take a few weeks to understand exactly what you're good at, why people want what you're offering, the difference that you're offering in comparison to someone else. But you might take it for granted. 
So it's really good to articulate it because if you're going to grow a team, they need to understand that too and to be able to articulate it in their own style. So to answer your question, Lou, long way, um, is, is it, can, it can be a few days, it could be a few weeks to really get it right. Mm -hmm. And then it will evolve over periods of time as your services evolve and as people join and they add their value to it too. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I was going to say it's not a static thing, is it really? No, but constantly evolving. Okay. Well, it changes. It changes as, as people change, as you change, and your business changes, your message changes. Yeah. And it's you know it's just like anything in life is that um, especially something you're passionate about. If you know it and live it and breathe it, it's it's a uh, you know it's, it evolves over time. And so point two, um, which I'm going to come to you for, Matt, I think is just a. a a kind of continuance of this which is to know your differentiators find your niche yeah and it was something when we were starting out we were looking at what do we know and where do we work best and so we didn't want to be everything to everyone because or you end up becoming again just white noise you know in a, in a background sea of noise and so we decided that the specialisms we were going to concentrate on were where we had a passion and a knowledge for that we could genuinely add value um, and that's why people should be paying us. So um, I tend to pick up um, sales roles, senior sales roles, and um, my business partner, John, uh, concentrates on engineering because that's his background. If you asked me to find somebody who's a machinist, I wouldn't know where to start and I wouldn't know the language they speak or the terminology or those intimate details that make, make those conversations meaningful. Whereas, you know, if you want to talk about sales, I'll, I'll do that forever and I know what a good salesperson looks like. And so by having those niche markets, by understanding where we, we want to fit in and where we add value means that we are worth something to our end clients. So um, I'm going to come to you, Denise, point three, but someone's just pitched a question at me, which is um, based on what you've just said, Matt, is do you need a partner? Can you really, truly go it alone? Honestly, only you know that. I know that I'm a, I'm a pack animal and I'm better when I've got somebody to bounce off. Um, if you work really well on your own and you are a bit of a lone gunslinger, go for it. But you'd be surprised how lonely it can be in the early days when you just want somebody to share the good and the bad with. Um, and for me, it's just all the little things. When you're not feeling well, somebody who's going to pick up the phone for you and you go, look, I'm just, I'm not, you know, not, I need to do the school run, whatever it is. A partner is more than that, more than just that 50%. Okay. I think, can I, can I come in there, Lou? Do, yeah. So I think um, it, you can be alone. You don't actually need a partner per se, but people you can trust. So like the equivalent of your board. Um, so the same level as you. So I absolutely get what you're saying there, Matt, because when I set up my business with my business partner, Caroline, it was amazing. It was the best time ever. And I look back on those days when we were, like really bouncing off each other and growing that business and it was so so much fun as businesses evolve it changes and you need different people at your level it's it's really important to have the right team and if 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 you've got two people who can play different roles in in the strategic management and the operational side of the business great as it grows you might need more people in there I actually don't think um, there's anything wrong, though, with being a sole trader, mm. um, running a business, as long as you've got everything how you want it, as long as there's nothing missing and you love it. 
Okay, and Stephen's got a comment in the sidebar. So Stephen O'Donnell, um, and he has talked about this before, he recommends having a, a partner, but saying how difficult it is to find someone who has the same commitment as you. And I guess that's, you do not want to have the struggle of somebody who's not putting as much in as you when you're in those early days. That must be a massive frustration you could do without. It's like a marriage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. it is, and like a marriage, communication is key in that actually what you bring to the table might not, um, show fruit at the same time. So one desk might, you know, if you're building a temp desk to a perm desk, when you're going to see that revenue come in and what that revenue looks like, it's going to be very different month one, two, and three to 18 months down the line. So, you know, communication in any relationship, whether it be a partner, as you say, if you've got people who you can, who can hold you to account, who are the same level as you, who can hold you to account and say, how is this going? What are you doing here? You can bounce ideas off. It's all about making sure that you communicate as you move along to it as well. Okay, absolutely. So Denise, point three, plan well but flexibly. Yeah, um, the, the, I think this works for startups and it works for people that are in business already and setting up new branches or abroad or whatever. And I think you need a really good idea of what it is you're going for, the type of um, clients you want to work with, the kind of markets you want to be in, but it's 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 all about the differentiation and how you're going to use your resources in the best way. The thing is, some people plan so far ahead that it's like guesswork. If you have an idea of what where you might be in three years' time, but can you hear me okay, Matt? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Come through loud and clear. That was slightly weird with Denise. I'm going to turn mm. off. Have we got the noise okay. again? No, we're fine. Can you hear me now? I can, can you hear me now? Yeah. Yes. Okay, great. So I can, so, so, so I would say look at your first year, yep. know where you want to be, um, and actually review that plan every, every month. Make sure you're on track, but be open to creativity, be open to opportunities that, you might get there, but you might get there in a slightly different way because you find you learn so much in that first year that what you thought would be the case might be even better. And you need to be open to that. That's yeah. And I think one of the points that we come to later is um, about having a mentor. And I guess some of having yeah. somebody else in the business can help you to keep flexible, but we'll, we'll come back to that. I've got a question in the sidebar from Alfred, but before we come to that one, um, because I think part of what you're going to say, Matt, might touch on an answer. Matt, your next point, point four, is get the best suppliers you can, get the right CRM. But how, yeah. early days, how do you decide something like that? That's quite complex and costly. Yeah. yeah, and costly. And early days, you need to be really honest with yourself about what you actually need and what is right for your business. I would, where we are now, with the way software is provided, the way anything's provided, I would push back and say, I want short contracts, I want it cheap, I want to try it, see if it's right for my business, and make small adjustments really quickly. So, you know, I was really, really fortunate in that I had lots of relationships in the industry. And so when I came to look at these things, I was like, yes, I knew people rang me up saying, Matt, do you want this for free? Do you want this? But I didn't take something because it was free, because if it wasn't the right fit for our business, so we, um, just just like we were just saying, is that we had a 
plan, we had a plan that we were going to do a lot of temp first to generate revenue, and then we're going to look to build, to, uh, um, sorry, a lot of perm first to generate the revenue, and then look at temp. And then when we looked at it, like, well, what CRM is going to support that? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, I don't, big shout out to Pete Linus because he rang me up and said, well, why do you have hours for free for the first year? And so, you know, I owe Peter Cuddle. Um, but it's it's about making sure that what is you know what's right for you right now and don't commit big you don't need to be in a two-year contract to get it a little bit cheaper get it try it for a three month get a get a, uh, a clause that you can back out of because you just don't know is the honest answer yeah i've just put a tag to um pete linus's business which is bullhorn which is quite a large crm um and actually on some of the um, other shows i'm going to be chatting with some suppliers about things like um choosing the right funding supplier choosing the right tech provider i've got an amazing lady does social media which obviously the marketing is quite a large part and candidate engagement is quite a large part so probably i'll probe with those a little bit more um alfred i'm going to come to your question but denise i think your next one is a continuation again of this which is about mm-hmm. For fast scaling, have an idea of size and platform assets. Yeah, um, I I set up my first business, and I when I start working with clients now, um, they they kind of did the same as I do some sometimes, and um, I never thought that I would end end up buying out my partner. I never thought I'd end up being as big as we were. I thought it would always be a few of us. Um, and so I had it caused problems because I had to redesign everything. If you have an idea that you want to go to a certain size, then make sure that what you plan is going to support that. Otherwise, you're going to have to redo it all later on. Um, so lots of stuff was in our head. And what, what I, in hindsight, I would have done was put it into um, processes. And it, that's what I call my platform. So if you have the right platform, it's not just a CRM, it's being very clear about what looks good in your business in terms of all the delivery, the way you sell, if it's going to be consultative or hard selling, if, if your interviewing is going to be really in depth, if you're going to meet your client, whatever it is you're going to do, get it all documented, but not micromanaged. Have a framework, a platform in place that you can build on and that it can evolve over time. Because with that in place, it makes it easy for anyone you hire to be able to fly in with you, which is also a real key differentiator. So the platform is really important. Um, And the same with people management too. So everything to do with the way you recruit your people, your values, your standards, and the way that flows through how you, you develop them really makes sense to get it designed in the first place if you can. And it doesn't have to cost a lot and it doesn't have to take a long time. Okay. I don't know if that makes sense. I'll be questions. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to come back to a couple of those points um, around things like website and technology. But um, Alpha's question. I guess is you know you've done this maybe maybe you've done a lot of the planning maybe you've only done a little bit but then you have to try to get business and he's saying how can you go about ensuring your passion scales in an industry where competition is fierce mm-hmm. now um, that's actually one of the topics we're going to cover in a, in a future show in a bit more detail but but Matt that's got to be something that that you found is that having the planning in place yep 
What Absolutely. happens when you hit the ground? Um, so it comes to one of the points you're gonna, you're gonna mention shortly, but it, for me, I worked what I knew first. And so I went to my network and that helped me. So I had it all planned out. Um, just like we just saying, it, you know, it's, it's been documented. When you actually hit the ground running, you're like, right, I need to change this bit. That bit's not working for me. Yeah. And it's being open to the change. So I'm still passionate about what I do, but I'm not, I'm not passionate, I'm not blindly passionate. Oh, this is how we go about it. So we, um, for instance, we've tried different softwares and we've decided it before that, you know, we had a three month trial, six weeks in, that's not for us. Get rid of it, stop using it and focus and renew the focus in, in where we're gonna get the most yield. Um, I still love coming in every day, even though, um, you know, even on the bad days when you've got to do all the admin stuff and whatever else, I still love all of that. And the way your passion can really grow with it is by putting those processes in, as we just said, because that allows you to scale. It allows you to do all the additional stuff without worrying about the, the minutia. Of, oh, this, yeah, by the way, I need to share this with John about this is how we, uh, how we interview or this is how we do this. That's all there. But I suppose the big question is what do they mean by passion? Because that's something you can't teach. That's something you can't imbibe in people, no. but it is contagious. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, and I think that you've started to focus on the next question, which so the next point, which is about focusing on profit. I think you very slightly touched on that. Yeah. But, but what does that actually mean? I mean, surely that's what we're doing. Well, stop, isn't it? We're trying to make some money. No, no, no. no. And it's you see it far too often is that people get the um, they run a business and that's great, but they get the, um, turnover and profit very, very confused. Um, but also we run very lean. So we don't need all the fancy extras. We, we look where our profit margin is and what's going to make us money and what, what um, detracts from that. So, you know, very early on, we said, look, do we need um, MacBook Pros? Does it need to be flashy? Does it need to be this? Is that the, the message we're putting out? Well, no, we don't, to be completely frank. Do we need, um, you know, so we, as I said, I mentioned uh, briefly earlier, we got office space for free um, versus office space. We had a nice gym attached to it and it was state-of-the-art, standing desks, and I don't need it. I didn't need to pay for those things, especially in those first three years, profit is key, because I am able to put that profit back in and really grow our business. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, you can take on a new hire sooner, you can advertise more, you can engage with people more, more marketing, whatever it is, that's where, I'm, you know, when I say focus on those profit lines, it is really about eye, eye on the prize. All the stuff that detracts from that, which is very, very, very nice, does detract from profit. I'm here to make money. I've got four kids and a big mortgage. I'm here to make money. Okay, I agree with all of that. But Denise, what happens when the clients want to come to your office and your furniture is secondhand and not sexy IKEA furniture? What, um, not that IKEA is very expensive, but but you know, is there a balancing act here? Um, I think that it goes right back to planning. What is it that you're trying to get? What's your brand? And if you're saying your brand is upmarket, then every every time that client touches your business, whether it's face to face or on the phone or by email or looking at your website, it needs to be upmarket. If it's down to earth, cheap and cheerful, that's what they need to see. So there's easy ways of doing it. You can go meet them in a, in another office. It doesn't have to be where you really work, does it? No. That's what we do. That's exactly what we do. 
Yeah, it's, as long as they see and they're comfortable and it's it's right for them. So as Matt said earlier, you're speaking their language in terms of everything, the whole experience. And and going back to this is about you you define what you want people to know about you, and it really helps if it comes from the heart, if it's you and you you're really comfortable in that space because you. It just means that they will feel the authenticity. They will they will trust you, um, and and I think if you if you define what your difference is and you define what your messaging is, then the way you sell, even when you have no clients, when you know what your competitors are doing for the money they're charging, and you know where your difference is and you're superior in some ways. And you can market that and know with the passion that you will be talking to the right potential clients because you've you've identified them mm-hmm. and that you start a conversation to start to build the trust. I've seen startups with nothing, no relationships, no nothing, but they know what they're doing and they know what they're doing well and they know in comparison to others where they're superior. And just starting conversations with the right potential clients not anybody just the right ones that they've they've, they've identified mm-hmm. has built businesses worth millions from scratch so it's worth getting a difference right in the first place yes and and a lot of people who come to me with a recruitment startup i do feel they have this idea in the back of, back of a fag packet thing and just want to get going so so desperate to kick off yeah going and it sounds like there's a little bit more work you're saying both of you are saying has to be done behind the scenes oh yeah absolutely okay i've lost track of who's taking the next question um the next statement i think is control cash watch watch the cash flow is that you denise yeah (laughs) profit is really important yeah but you can be profitable and still run out of cash (laughs) so don't run out of cash um one of the best tips I was ever given was to build um, cash control into the sales process. So we taught our team, and I recommend this to everybody now, to talk about fees and payment up front at, at, at the first client meeting when, when it looks like you're going to do business. And if it's not a face-to-face meeting, it will be kind of over the internet like this. So that people understand they will get an amazing service from you, great products, whatever. All you want in return is prompt payment. And that's worked every time it's introduced, not just by the the owners and the seniors in the business, but from everyone who's trained in sales in your organization. Uh, Oh, and make friends with the people who pay you. Uh, Accounts piece that works really well too. Okay, Matt, and I guess that you've you've been having been in the recruitment space for so long, you have seen so many times recruiters talking online about how they're struggling to get the fee out of the client. Yeah, I do you know what? I I've heard the horror stories, but exactly what we're just saying is that we have that conversation very early on. We understand it's a service we're providing, what that service costs, where what they can get for that cost, and what we get in return. And that is, if we agree payment terms, then we agree payment terms. Um, but yeah, touch wood. We've we've had very um, very good clients in terms of payment, um, and actually we start from a place of fourteen day payment terms. 
um, because then they feel like they've won something back when they when we go to 30 days. Um, but actually, I don't go longer than 30 days because everyone has a payment run once a month. Yeah. I'm, it's something I'm really open to having a discussion about. And as we were saying there, very early on, I say, what is your budget for this? Have you budgeted this or do you need to go and find budget for it? How are we financing this? You know, where is this cash coming from? And it means when we have the conversation, we, we all know where we are. Okay. That that um, sales part is another show I'm doing, actually, is having those conversations. There's a bit more detail around that, Matt. I think oh, yeah, absolutely. If you're an experienced recruiter setting up on your own, it's slightly different. If you know your market and you're setting up, that's all skills you've got to learn. So what can I Yeah, very much so. Okay, so Simon's got a question, which is um, business development stroke winning new clients to start up. And so this is the thing we're going to cover in a future show, but we'll still answer it, Matt. Um, any difference between doing this as a startup versus a consultant for an established agency? Yeah, absolutely. When you're doing it for an established agency, you've got a brand that you're representing. And what we said earlier is that, um, you know, when you grow a business, whoever's grown that established brand and said, this is how we sell, this is what we do. And whilst you might have your own style within that, you are sort of constrained by, you know, the, the brand that you represent. As a small business, what you're able to do is be much more agile and say, actually, this is how I want to work, even if that's down to a particular client. And you can be much more authentic. People buy from people. I've said this for, for so long now, and it's such a cliche. But when I we've won FTSE 100 businesses based, you know, again, we are up against some of the biggest recruiting firms in, in the country. And yet we've won it because we're very real. We are very transparent and we're very agile, which is all sounds like cliches. I get that, like you read them out of a sales handbook, but they're cliches because they're true. And so if you've got, if you know, if you are that small, if you're ringing out of your bedroom and you're that one man agency, then sell that, sell you, sell, sell your process. Sell, look, you are the most important thing to me. You are not just another person. You're speaking to the person who gets to make the decisions. Let's do something together. Okay, that's no, cool. And now we've got five, four more items to get through. We're already at the half um, half hour point. So we're going to whiz through these. Matt, next okay. one is get internal hiring right and training yes. as well. Yeah. Um, so especially in your early hires, they're going to, these people are representing you now, your brand, it's your baby. And you need to make sure these persons, you know, who you're hiring in, their values align with yours, their goals align with yours. And that's going to be strategic because hopefully, you know, in a perfect world, they're going to, your business will grow and they will become the new ambassadors of your brand. Mm. And so your hand in the baton over, it's a lot of trust when it's your business that you really put blood, sweat and tears in to hand that baton on to somebody else in those initial days. So it's just so key, those first few hires. Okay. And I know that St. Denise knows quite a lot about, and in actual fact, I have got a future show, which is at making your first hire. So mm. I suspect that we'll look at that in a lot more detail. Now, Denise, your, your one is, it's so good. It's named twice. Get a, get yourself a mentor. Get yourself a mentor. That's what I call this one. How important is it? I tell you what. With the majority of people that I've helped set up their businesses, and in fact, for my own first one, there's so much knowledge that you've got already. Often that it takes you through the first few years, and yet there are. If you have a mentor who's been there, done it, seen it, or has is is in the industry that you're in, they can just open doors so much faster. You don't have to make the mistakes. You'll make other mistakes, but not the mistakes you're going to make. And you'll be on a higher level anyway. And one of the things that I learned the hard way was 
I used to talk big and strategy and all, all the time because I was excited about it, but my team, I just distract them. When you've got a mentor, you can have those conversations privately. Um, and and, it, and it, it's just brilliant. It's like having a, a parental figure, a partner. It's, it's just great. And I think we all, we don't know what we don't know. No matter how senior we are, everyone learns every day. And um, a mentor is fabulous. You don't have to pay for every mentor. There are people that will volunteer. Yeah, there are people that it's on a commercial basis, but you need the right person for you that's going to give you the right kind of support when you need it. Totally agree. And someone who's going to hold you to account for the things that you say you're going to do. I've got two mentors. Um, one is outside the industry and one is an, um, people who are about five years ahead of me who've gone out a partnership again, who started up in the same community as us, so in South Wales, and they were re- they've been instrumental in our growth, absolutely instrumental. A company called Vetro Recruitment, so big shout out for them. Brilliant. Okay, and so I might, I might talk in the future more about how to find a mentor. For, but actually, probably on one of these shows, I'm going to have a, a consultant who does that. So they would be they would charge for their services, but probably be useful to talk more about how that works. Absolutely. Okay, so Matt, you've touched on this one slightly. Use your network to get the ball rolling. Yeah, um, another cliche. Net, your network is your net worth. I was, you know, I reached out to everyone. Personal network, you know, people that I meet at my son's football matches and whatever else, and. How can you help me? You know, are you in a, are you a hiring manager? Um, I reached out to people that I've known for years through partnerships and said, look, I know you hire, I know you hire salespeople. You know me, I'm a known entity. Can you give me a shot? And in those early days that gets the ball rolling for you and gets you that credibility and gives you something to work on is absolutely key. And so for me, I, I use my network quite extensively, you know, daily almost. Um, and it just helps with, it's hard enough work building a business as it is. If you've got a network, use it. And we all have a network, regardless of what, if you've only been doing this a year, you have a network of people you know, just do your personal relationships. I think it's crazy how uncomfortable we are with that. I mean, recruiters spend all their time building their LinkedIn networks. Yeah. A decent recruiter would tell a job seeker to use their network and then we're just not comfortable in doing it. Um, and I always love it when someone asks me whether like whether I can help them. I'm really happy right. to. So most people are flattered. Um, and what's the worst case scenario? It's a bad time. They say, ask me another time. They can't help. Yeah. They say no. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, t- and- I totally agree. And I think it's really important to look after those relationships. Um, suppliers, everybody, because they will help you. People are honoured to help. Yeah. yeah well, actually, that's a really good point, isn't it? Is that um, it's very easy for someone like you, Matt, or Denise, to ask for help because you are also um, happy to give. Um, and I guess that comes back to the authentic bit you mentioned earlier, Denise, is if you are the right type of person, yeah. then people, it is much easier to get help from your network if you've nurtured it. And nurturing it is giving already yes cool denise point 10 control no that's not point 10 which one is it it is be be prepared to live and breathe it is that right it's so easy when you love what you do it's it doesn't feel like hard work although you'll probably work all hours um i know matt's got four children 
Um, and I think a, ba a, a baby is the business as well. It, they, it needs as much nurturing, as much support and love. Um, it's and if you're if you're I've always been addicted to recruitment, always since. And, and I think I drive people mad with being excited about it. And I, I please do shut me up if ever I meet any of you and I, I get carried away. Um, it's been a ball my whole career and I've done so many different roles but always in recruitment you will live and breathe it if especially in the first year two three years and it will grow and evolve if you want it to but it is a it's like a it's as, it's as natural as breathing air so so be prepared for that it's not just a part Dean's gone a bit wobbly, but that's okay. Because I was going to ask Matt, look at the... Was it Matt? It's got wobbly. Matt, would you yeah. totally agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had no idea. I mean, I it depends what you get into it as well. Right? So I go into it for a better work-life balance. Right? You don't go into business for yourself for a better work-life balance, right? Just let me have... So last night I was reading yeah. articles because I'm working with somebody new. And so I was reading stuff, but it does come very naturally. It just... It's something that you don't really consciously know that's happening. Yeah. But before you know it, you know, um, my business partner rang me up at 11 o'clock at night and he said, oh, I've redone our contracts, the formatting without. And I thought I'd go, what are you doing? I was like, oh, brilliant. Send it to me. I'll have a look at it now. It just, it becomes like a second, like a second skin almost. It's always there, but I couldn't agree more. I love it. And I always say, I'm really sad though, but I find... <laughs> I find those who do love it are, are actually the ones who are successful. If you're hating going into what you're doing it every day, yeah. you're never going to make a real success of it. Yeah. No. So I suppose that people who are already working in a recruitment agency now as a consultant and are not enjoying going into work on a Monday morning and are thinking that this might be the right move for them. If, if there is a passion for recruitment somewhere in there and for placing people and for those relationships if you can still see that then that's the passion for me the relationships and working with people and yeah. um, you know it's it's not the kill of the sale i've been in sales a very long time it's not the kill and the signing the contracts none of that i love i love it when somebody rings me up and goes by the way this is going awesome so we follow up a month after and we go how's it all going love it yeah. love it and you're like it, it, there's something yeah there's something in it that just goes that's what i that's what i do it for yeah yeah, I'd say if, if it's anyone working for any of my clients, they should stay exactly where they are. And <laughs> <laughs> um, everyone else has the passion that, but it's you learn how to run a business as well as be a recruiter. It's like adding more to to your um, world, um, and you do it how you want it to be done. What you see looks good, and you create high. The best thing is creating high-performing teams, and it's and it's how you guys want it done. It's it's the freedom, yeah, and it, and it's and it's the most amazing feeling. You, I would say plan for what you want for the future, though, because this all-encompassing you you will change probably if you do it long enough. You might need something else later, so it's about building the, for the future as well. Um, but yeah, it's 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 great to run your own business. Cool. There's a couple of other things we didn't cover. One was um, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Um, 
which is just a, it's a business cliche, but oh, how so true. Um, you've got to take some some chances. And then the other thing which I love that Matt mentioned was around staying on the right side of the law. And I'm oh. sure you would agree with this as well. So things like um, IR35, which I'm going to be covering in a future show, um, tax, please don't forget to pay the tax man and things like that. Um, so some of the things we're covering in future shows will be uh, social media, contract recruiting, specifically contract recruiting, um, maybe becoming a recruiter in the, um, hiring in the States, massive market, which we're going to cover, um, funding, back office, getting the right tech and sales. And Andrew's just said, what is the best way to get some new clients? And that is going to be an entire show in itself will be around what you actually do on a day-to-day -day basis to find clients, to find candidates. Um, and I can see in the sidebar a couple of people saying what their story is. So somebody, oh, I won't say your name, but who's just resigned from um, a recruitment business and getting, getting going with their own recruitment agency. Um, so I've shared Denise and uh, Matt's LinkedIn profiles in the sidebar, so feel free to connect with them. I'm going to turn this into a blog post with this video embedded. So if anyone's watching this on Catch Up and wants to know in writing what those 10 things were, that will be on a blog post. Um, these for me are a weekly show, um, but I really want to thank Denise and Matt for giving up their time. I haven't paid them, but I will them in paying it forward in love and kindness um because there are people like this in the industry so do reach out to people who you think you know give it a punt can somebody give me some advice do, do ask it's always worth it lou on that note can i say obviously somebody's just mentioned in the sidebar there that they're going out alone if anyone wants to drop me a line on linkedin i've just said use your network make me part of your network linkedin ask the questions if you want to have a call give me a call i'm happy to be completely honest so if you are looking to go alone, you're looking to make that step, give me a shout. I'm happy to give somebody, you know, half hour, an hour chat and tell them what it's really like. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, That's really, really great. So I'll share both your details. Uh, Matt and I will both be at the Recruitment Agency Expo yeah. on the 4th and 5th of February as well. Um, uh, and I'm quite noticeable because my hair will be some faint shade of red. Um, so thank you so much for everyone who's joined us in the sidebar. We'll be back this time next week. And thank you again so much to Denise and Matt. If you would like to hear more from UK Recruiter and Recruiter Zone, go to the blog section on our website, ukrecruiter.co.uk.